0: In Pashas Ekev, Moshe tells the Jewish people. He reminds them of what what happened in the desert. Remember the entire journey that Hashem, your God, took you for forty years through the through the desert. He afflicted you. Lenat to test you to put you through a trial. Lada as a to uh, to see what's in your heart. Will you keep the mitzvahs or not? Vayancha, and he afflicted you again, by Vayarivecha, he made you hungry, by Vayachilcha, Saman, and and he gave he gave you the man, the man which was unfamiliar to you, that you didn't, you'd never seen it, your parents, had never, your fathers had never seen it, and so on, and then uh, then he goes on to explain, V'yadah ta'im l'vavecha, you should know, he tells them, he kasher yaser ishes like, a, just as a man chastises his son, Hashem, your God, was chastising you. Then the Passock goes on that the Psuk can go on that Hashem, your God, is going to bring you into a good land, the land of Eretz Canaan, a land of nachle Mayim, of rivers, ayanos, usahomos, springs, and, and water underground. Then the, the famous Shivasaminim, Saminim, Eretz Chitu, Saora, Vigefin, Usaina, Verimon, Eretz the fruit for which Eretz Israel, the produce and fruits for which Eretz Israel is renowned. And then, and so on, a good land, you will eat, you'll be satisfied, and then you shall bless Hashem your God. That's, of course, the say midaraisa, of and mazon to bless Hashem after eating. So the sense of these him is not entirely clear. It talks about Hashem afflicting us, we were hungry, He gave us the man, the man was unfamiliar to us and this was for the purpose of, of inoy and the purpose of nisayon Nisoyon, l'nasosicha. and then Hashem says, this is, the way a, this is just the way, a, like a person chastises his son, that's what Hashem was doing to you, and then he's going to bring you into Eretz Canaan. So what exactly does that mean, and what's the connection to entering Eretz Canaan? So the Ramban explains that, just like a father places the yoke of Musr, the old Musr, upon his child, brings a Pasuk in Mishle, We'll discuss the passage a little more later, that it's good for a child to, uh, to be chastised. So too, Hashem, your God, is first chastising you, meaning the Ramban understands it wasn't chastisement for punishment. It wasn't that he was punishing them for doing wrong. They did have errors as well, they were punished for that, but that's not what the passage is describing here. The i is describing here, he, in general, he put them through privation, and they, they suffered a, an ascetic... A difficult existence in the desert. Why, uh, in, or- in order that that when you get into Eretz Canaan, you'll appreciate by contrast the goodness of the land and its fruit. And that's the that's the of the psirkiem ki alokecha Eretz Tova. This is like that old joke about a person who complains that his house is crowded and it's uh, and there's so much stuff in there. So the the suggested solution is bring all your chickens in there and your goats and your cows for a week and then you'll see. So he comes back a week later, like, this is, this is intolerable. I've, my house is, it was bad before, now I just can't function at all. The chickens are all over the place, and the cows are bumping into everything. So the person tells him, okay, now take all the animals out. So he takes all the chickens and cows back out. He says, oh, now now this is such a relief. I have so much room, no more cows, no more chickens. So this is sort of what the Ramban is saying, when Akash Baruch did. He wanted them to appreciate, by contrast, Eretz Kanan. Eretz Kanan is a good land to begin with, but uh, nevertheless, he wanted them to appreciate it even more, so he, uh, he first made them go through the desert in difficult conditions, and then certainly, by contrast to that, they would certainly appreciate the goodness of Eretz Canaan. All right. But I want to focus tonight, I want to speak tonight about the, the simile the Pasek uses, that, Ki kasher yaser ishes just as a man chastises his son, so too, Hashem similarly, that's how God is chastising you. Pasek takes for granted that it's normal for parents to chastise their children. That's something that fathers do. And as Ramban notes, the Mishle mentions that. Mishle is actually full of numerous references to parents chastising their children. It is a big theme of Mishle. This is a famous pasuk, Spare the rod, spoil the child he that spareth his rod, he's chosek shifto, shave it is the stick, the stick that's used to, to hit people. That, someone who does that hates his son. V'o'avo, if he loves him, then he will chastise him. He'll, he'll apply muster. What does that mean if he spares the rod, he hates his child? So there are different explanations. Rashi says that it means that if you if you don't punish him in the short term, maybe it'll be okay, but in the long run, it will lead to a worsening of your relationship. You will eventually hate him. Because eventually you'll see him come to a bad end, he'll become a Russia, and then you'll hate him. So you might think in the short run it's good, it's good for your relationship, but it's not going to end well. He'll become a Russia and you will hate him. The Rol understands that spearing the rod, not disciplining your child, that itself is an act of, of sin, of hate, because if you really love the child, you would do what's good for him. Just like, just like the example of a parent who, you know, who has to treat his child medically, perform surgery on him, he might wind up hating him, and he, may, he might wind up causing him pain in the short term, but it's an act of love, because he saves his life, and in the long run it's good for him. So the Rol says, that's what we're talking about here, someone who does not chastise his child, it's superficially out of love, but really it's an act of, uh, of hatred, because it's not good for the son to be allowed to indulge his bad qualities. But someone who loves his son is going to uh, is going to apply mustertin because that will make him that will make him better in the long run this point is made by the archhasddikim as well the Archhasddikim notes that you love me. the Archddikim is talking about the idea of Rahmanus, so he says Rach mayav a father's love for a child it 's Bevakalachaya man shares that with animals Rambam makes his point as well that mother's maternal instincts a man shares with the animals it 's the same impulse that um. Human mother has, or a cow has for her calf, but the Aruch HaShulchan goes on. He says, if a person is he spares the rod, if he's yimna shevet Muslim ribno, because he has rachmanes for him, and he lets him do what he wants and indulges yeterhora, that rachmanes is going to cause him to forfeit his elam Because again, it might be a short term uh, in, in, in the short term it might look like rachmanes, but in the long term, that's actually an act of sinna because it is not good for the child. To be allowed to do whatever he wants. Other psukim in Mishlei, bincha ki you shall chastise your child because there's hope. While there's hope, Belhamisu altisan difficult passage to translate. Rashi says chastise him, but not too severely. Altakeo makas Mavis, don't kill him. And obviously, that goes without saying. We'll discuss later. Chazal have rules to try to make sure that you don't hit him too hard. The Rashi learns, means hit him, but within limits. Hit him, but not too hard. The Ralbag explains that Hamiso doesn't mean Misa, death. Hamisa means hamiyaso. Don't listen to his commotion, his, his wailing about it, meaning harden your heart. Hit him because he has to be hit. Don't worry, he's going he's gonna to shriek and complain. He, it's good for him. It's good for him to be hit. Then it's, uh, it's better for him to have muster and to complain about it than to wail about it in the in the short term, but it'll be good for him in the long term. Another pasuk, Altimna Minar Musar, Kisa Kenu Don't withhold Musir from your son. He's not so fragile. He's not a he's not a snowflake. He's like hit him with the rod and he won't die. He'll be okay. Don't worry about it. Pasuk goes on. the next pasuk, you shall hit him with a rod. By doing so you will save him, you'll deliver his soul from from hell. The bagh explains a little differently that the pasuk uh, means that do it in order that he not die, that he not die spiritually. I explained the pasuk initially that it means don't worry about hitting him; he's not going to die. The Albag says it means hit him in order that he shouldn't die, a misaruchnis; he shouldn't die, uh, he should, or, or even physically. He says that if a person, if a person doesn't have discipline, doesn't do the right thing. He'll die young, uh, and uh, and his nephesh will die. So hit him in order that he doesn't die. Hit him, causing pain in the short term, which will save his life. In the long term, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself will cause shame to his mother. You shall chastise your son, and he will give you manuka. He'll 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 He'll, you'll be able to tolerate him beat him a not just uh, give you rest but he'll, be, he'll actually bring delicacies to you in the long run again, chastising your son is good chastising your son is good it'll be good for the son it'll be good for you it'll be good for everyone in the long run even if it may, ha- it may entail some pain in the short run so it seems pretty clear from these Pesukim and Mishle that corporal punishment punishment and punishment generally and corporal punishment hitting children is recommended one of the psukim is explicit. People have people talk about shevet b'derek drush. It means muster, but ata takenu. Hit him with a stick. Hard to imagine what would be clearer than that. That it is it is recommended. The mishle urges fathers to beat their children to hit them when necessary as part of chinuch. The gemara as well. The gemara takes for granted that hitting children is appropriate. Hitting children is uh, the way you, the way you raise them. There are a number of Gemaras about this. Baba Bastra. The Gemara says that Rav said to Roshmul bar when you hit the children, he took for granted he was hitting the children, so we explained to him how to do it. He said, we, we saw before, Belhamiso Hamiso, Apostol tells you the way Rashi understands, Bel Hamiso, Al-Tisan Afshecha, Al-Tisan Afshecha, that the don't hit him fatal blows. So similarly, the Gemara brings that Rav told Roshmul bar Shelas, that when you hit him, don't hit him. Hit him only with an arachta demasana. Hit him only with the strap of a sandal, which is a relatively mild uh, mild blow, it's not a severe blow. And that's the way you should hit the children. So hit them, but not too hard. Rambam elaborates on this slightly. Rambam says that, that you should hit the children to instill awe in the children. They should have proper AMA for the, for the teacher. But the eino maka makas oyev makasak akzari. Don't hit them like an enemy, like you're attacking an enemy. B- cruel blows, and consequently, you shouldn't hit him. him with rods and maklos and, and sticks. You shouldn't hit him with these heavy, uh, heavy instruments. Elibur su katana with a small strap. That's the gemara that hit him only with a rakta de masana. Don't hit him. Don't hit him with uh, with with more dangerous, heavier implements. Mishnah Makas. Mishnah Makas says that hitting hitting children. A father hitting his son, a Rebbe hitting a student, is actually a mitzvah. The Mishnah brings the opinion of Abashol. Abashol says that a father who strikes his child, and a Rav who disciplines his child and hits him, and a Shliach Bastin, an agent of Beistin, who is enforcing the, the orders of Beistin and hits a recalcitrant litigant and kills him. So normally when a Jew kills somebody else, accidentally that's a form of manslaughter, for which the, the consequence is Gullus. He has to flee to the Er-Miklat. So the Mishnah says, Abashal says, the from the Pasuk, that this does not apply to these three cases, a father d- chastising his son, and a Rebbe chastising his student, and the shliach Bastin, who's enforcing the judgment of Bastin on litigants. These are considered, these are different, because these are not Rishus. The Pasuk of Gullus is speaking about uh, Striking someone and killing him while engaged in a rishus and discretionary activity. These are mitzvahs, so that is different. The Gemara goes on. The Gemara says, not only is it a mitzvah, the Gemara initially proposes that, the Gemara initially proposes that if the, pers- if the child is studying properly, he's learning, he's doing what, the, what he's supposed to do, then there'll be no mitzvah to hit him, and the mitzvah to hit him is only if he's behaving badly. But Rava says... But Ravis, the, the Gemara says, uh, no, the, 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 the Gemara actually brings a, uh, a position that, no, that the, it's always a mitzvah to hit him, that it's a mitzvah to hit him anyway, even if, uh, even if he's learning, it's a mitzvah to hit him anyway. The Gemara says that, the Gemara says, de even though the student, the child, the student is learning well. Nevertheless, mitzvah, it's a mitzvah anyway, Dixiv, one of the psukhim we read in Mishlei before, yaser bincha adal it's always good as a matter, not, maybe not always, but it is generally good as a matter of principle to strike children, I don't know how often, once a day, once a year, once a month, but in general, children should be hit, even if they haven't done anything wrong, just to, I guess, keep them in their place, to instill proper habits of submission and reverence for authority, uh, a little strange to our ears. This is not uh, not the sort of policy we probably would uh, would uh, be inclined to. But that's what the Gemara seems to say that it is in general a that it is a mitzvah to hit children, even if they've done nothing wrong, just to uh, instill proper habits of mind in the children. That perhaps that's what the Rambam means when he says that you should hit the children to impose fear upon them. He doesn't say to punish them for bad behavior. He just says, as a matter of general principles, you should hit them in order to uh, in, imbue them with fear. Again, not a very modern idea. We, you know, we, we, we focus more on love and on, uh, on gentleness and having a good relationship with your child. We'll see later. We'll, we'll see, again, what some modern post have said about the whole idea of corporal punishment in general. But the Gemara, not only does the Gemara say it's a mitzvah, the Gemara even brings a, a, an opinion that hitting him is a, that hitting him is a good idea, even if uh, it's, it's a mitzvah. Anyway, it's a mitzvah to hit him, even if he isn't doing anything wrong, just on general principles because of Yaser Bincha Viani Checha BeItin Madanim Shecha. The Gemara in Becharus, a very uh, interesting, somewhat provocative Gemara, the Gemara in Becharus talks about a case that there was once a certain Rebbe, a certain Rebbe of young children, who apparently was excessively violent. He was Pasha Biyanuki. He hit them too much, excessively. According to one version of Rashi, he actually killed a child at one point, but either way, he was uh, hitting children excessively, so they removed him from the position. Logically enough, they, uh, they fired him. They said, they made him take a neder, you can't be a Rebbe anymore because you're just uh, too violent. Eventually, the Gemara says, Ravina replaced him. Ravina reinstated him. He gave him back his job. Why? Because nobody was as good a Rebbe as he was. So, so Rabbina said it's worth uh, swallowing the fact that he is uh, a little violent because he is just a superlative, incomparable Rebbe. But Sisley says, certainly if he killed children, certainly we can't have a Rebbe, no matter how good he is, if he's actually killing children. So, of course, it must mean that he did tshuva. The Gemara is talking about the laws of and Asindar. When you can be Matur neder, when not. Neder Shudar Barabim, Maldas Rabim. The Gemara is discussing the laws of being neder. So, of course, the Sicily says he must have been a reformed character. We're not going to allow somebody to actually have his job back if he is uh, injuring children. But, be that as it may, the, the, this Gemara is kind of a, a double-edged message. On the one hand, the researcher thing has too much hitting. There are Rebaim who are too violent and therefore have to be removed from their position. On the other hand... That's not the only consideration, and sometimes even a Rebbe who is too violent, has been too violent in the past, needs to get his job back if he is still the best at what he does, if there's nobody else who is as good a teacher as he is. The one final Gemara we'll mention, the Gemara in The The Gemara in brings a brings a Pasuk in Zechariah. It, it says, and the, the Navi relates that, that there was a question, Ben what are these blows between your arms? The, base These are blows that I was struck in the house of my friends. So what does that mean? Your friends don't hate you. Your enemies hate you. What does that mean that, these, that, that the, the Navi is talking about blows that were received in the, in the house of those who love him? So the Gemara brings two explanations. Tana'im have an argument about it. Rebbe Judah says it refers to Malchus, Malchus Bastin. Beistin gives you Malchus, it's because it's out of love. It's, uh, it's because they, it's, it's good for you to be punished, I guess, and, and, and it's good for you to do tshuva and to, to, to expiate your sin. The Rabbanan disagree. The Rabbanan say, But you know, blows that are received out of love in the house of one's friends are blows you receive in school. The children would be beaten in school, as we've said and the, that's base Mahavai. The teachers love you, the school loves you, but they have to beat you because that's the proper mode of Chinach. Now, in the time of the Rishonim, as we said, corporal punishment was certainly still seen as normal, routine, even ubiquitous. We mentioned the Raman before, who codifies the, this, these Gemaras without, uh, without any qualification. He says you should, hit the, you should hit the students in order to be Matil ema. Don't hit them like an enemy with cruelty, but hit them with a you know, mild strap, with a small strap and so on, but you hit them the Ramban the Ramban, is, is, the Ramban says that in, in passing he's discussing the laws of Neziken the, the question of the liability that, uh, that a father has if he injures his son, uh, we'll discuss this in more detail soon, the Ramban is discussing the, the halach of someone who injures his child, is zichayah for, for Tashlume Hezek so the Ramban says no not Why? So, the, there's a halacha, there's a principle the Chazal talk about sometimes of Eva, that if we, if people who are in a relationship, husband and wife, parent and child, if the child or the wife who's dependent on the husband for support, if the child is dependent on his parents for support, if they start uh, suing them and arguing with them, and uh, arguing with them about finances, about money, then the person who supports them might get upset and cut them off and stop supporting them. So the Ramban says, children who are smuchim al shulchano, who are being supported by their parents. So the, the din is, it, it makes sense, it's reasonable that if he injures them, he's potter. Why? Because everyone hits his children. Ein l'cha'adam, she'en no. All parents hit their children. V'roda's Talmido. Everyone hits his students. And sometimes uh, he, he goes too far. And if you're going to say that there's, a, that there's a civil case that the student can sue, that the, that the child can sue, that, that would be the ultimate Ava. The parent would say, what? I take care of you, I support you, and now you go ahead and you sue me for hitting you a little too hard. Again, very alien to us. You know, we would think that you know, just because you support it doesn't mean you have the right to be abusive. But the romance says, no, that, that, uh, this is normal. Again, I don't know how hard he hit him in this case, that Armand is talking about, but a normal injury, The Armand says, if he doesn't make distinctions. He says, uh, normally, if a father injures his child, the child does not have the right to sue. There is no claim against the father because that would be disruptive to the relationship. If children started suing their parents, their fathers would become upset and would cut them off. And even though the child can presumably make that decision for himself, but we don't trust him, we think that it might be a short-sighted decision to sue his father. It'll be bad for him in the long run. Therefore, again, these arguments are very uh, alien to the modern mind, but the Ramban says that Chazal did not give the child the right to sue because better that he just swallow it, take his lumps, and go on and maintain his relationship with his father than to sue him and get cut off. But whatever the, the logic of the Ramban's position, the Ramban does say in passing that everyone hits their kids. There's no man who doesn't strike his children. There's no man who does not strike his Talmudim. Apparently... Corporal discipline was still, was quite common in the Ramban's time. Similarly, the rush, the rush, said, the, the rush is talking about a brysa that says that, it says that a certain son, a certain boy was playing hooky, he cut school, or, and his father was, aviv his father did something to him in his ear. So what does that mean? What does a brysa mean? His father did something to him in his ear. The rush says, that he, uh, he 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 warned, he threatened him. He said, "Oh, you're going to pay for this." He said, and then the ramban goes on, and he said the, the rush goes on, and he says the way we, we hit children and we pull their ears, um, we we pull their ears, I guess, in a threatening manner. But also, the, the rush takes for granted that the way you relate to children, occasionally, is at least occasionally, is by hitting them and, and pulling them around with their ears. Now, the rush does say this was normal. On the other hand, if we, uh, if we examine the context of this rush, we might get a second perspective, a somewhat different perspective on this. The, the rush is discussing the halachas of suicide. The halacha was a terrible story in the Bresa. The story was that this kid, B'nozshel Gurgunas, Belod, that he cut school, and his father was Iwer Loave and the child killed himself. The child was so scared that he committed suicide. So the question was, does he have the status of a suicide? Do, do we do, do avelos for him? So Rabbi Tarifin said that no, that, that uh, he was young, he was a child, he was, he, he, he was we, we don't blame him, the way we would blame an adult, and uh, he doesn't, it doesn't have the same halacha of, a, of an adult who commits suicide knowingly in full possession of his faculties. The poor child was terrified. So on the one hand, the rush is telling us that it's normal to hit kids and pull their ears, on the other hand, the Gemara he's explaining is making the point that it, lead, it led to a child committing suicide. So maybe that would uh, indicate that beating up your child when he doesn't uh, behave properly is not the best idea. All right. So in the time of the Rishonim, as we said, it, uh, there's no objection to corporal punishment. It was still taken, seems, pretty much for granted that a parent, a teacher, would beat the child, would strike the child when he was not behaving properly. Now we mentioned earlier that Ramban talks about this question of whether, if a father injures his child, whether he has to pay civil damages. Ramban seems to assume that in principle he would be, except that there was a takana that that he shouldn't have to pay because it would disrupt the relationship, and it would, in the long run, not be in the best interest of the child to allow him to sue his father. This case was actually a machlokas between two great, between two poskum of several centuries ago, of about three centuries ago, Rabbi Yaakov Reicher in the Shavos Yaakov, and a student of his, the author of the, of the Kiryas Chana. Kiryas Chana, Kiryas Chana. So they may have both been discussing the same case, not entirely clear, but the, they, they, they were both discussing a case of a, of a Rebbe, a teacher who became enraged with a student, with a student failing to cooperate, with a student failing to apply himself and learn Torah from the Rebbe, so he apparently beat the child quite severely. The Shmuel Yaakov doesn't say exactly what happened to the child, he just says, Chavalbo, he injured him, and the question was, is he liable for civil damages? The student, the Kiryas Chana, he says that the child was young, in his case, it may have been the same case, it may not have been the same case, but the child was young, six or seven years old, and the Rebbe behaved, K'oyev. he was, uh, behaved quite aggressively toward him, and he actually broke his leg. Whatever he did to him, he broke his leg. And again, the question was, is he liable for civil damages the way, the way an adult would be liable for assault, for hitting somebody else? So the Shavuot and his student, the Kiryas Chana, uh, take diametrically opposite positions. The Shavuot says, it is Pashut that he's is Pater Mikulam. It is obvious that he is Pater from everything. Now, the Kiryas Chana is tentatively argues at great length That he should be Chayev for everything, although he says, "I'm not paskening." The question has to be decided by Gedolei Torah. But uh, the Kira Schana was inclined to say poter Chayev, but the Shwis Yaakov said poter. Why you poter? So he brings the mission we mentioned before that a person who commits manslaughter while engaged in chastising a child, a son, or a student doesn't go to Golas, because that is he's engaged, he's engaged in mitzvah conduct. So, it's an explicit mishnah that you're potter because you're engaged in a mitzvah. Now, maybe you'll tell me, that's not talking about civil damages, that's talking about gollus, that's talking about the penalty of gullus for manslaughter. What does that have to do with civil damages of tsar, nezek, shevas, boshus, and repoy? The standard, uh, the standard or daladvarim, when you injure somebody else, you pay tsar, nezek, shevas, boshus, and Repoy. Sour is compensation for the physical pain you caused him by the blow. Nezek is the long-term damage to his uh, income-generating capacity, how much he's worth less as a slave, meaning how much, essentially, it's a way of measuring how much his economic value has gone down permanently due to the injury. Uh, Shevis is short-term economic damage while he's laid up, while he's recuperating, that even if in the long term he'll get back all or most of his income, uh income generating capacity, but right now while he's recovering, he can't work for a week, for a few days or a week or two, that's Sheves Boshe, it's Boshe's humiliation if you struck him in public and you embarrassed him, you pay for the pain of the humiliation Repoy, medical costs, The was refers to Dalajvarim, 4 out of 5 um, you, you don't pay Boshe, unless it was Machav and show, so, so presumably he's not talking about, he's excluding Boshe but the, the Rebbe did not mean to hit him, but I guess he didn't mean to injure him so that, that, that would be a question whether that's called Kavon Leviish or not. But, okay, in general, a for Yuchayev for the civil civil compensation for Hezek, he says, your potter, just like your potter from you your potter from these also. Maybe you'll tell me, no, that, that, that there's no connection between them. The Mishnah says, your potter from Gullus, it's Xeris the Mar derives it from Psukim and the Pasha of Gullus. one of the Pasha of from it's Xeris But who says that your potter from civil liability for injury? No, he thinks it's the same thing. The reason you're potter is because it's a mitzvah. So he thinks that reason should exempt you from civil liability as well because you're engaged in the performance of a mitzvah. So that is, that is essentially the, the Shvosyakov's rule. That since you're engaged in a mitzvah, he thinks that that's a fundamental principle. Those who are engaged in a mitzvah are potter for, for the consequences of their actions. Now what about the fact that we mentioned earlier the Gemara is very clear, the Rambam and the Shulchan Aruch pass in this, you're not supposed to thrash him to an inch of his life, you're supposed to hit him only by Raktad and Masana, only give him relatively mild chastisement with a shoestrap, not by Zarius, as the Rambam says. So, uh, this, this, this Rabbi clearly seems to have crossed the line, he, he wasn't hitting him gently with the shoe strap. he was hitting him apparently hard enough to cause a significant injury. So, says the Shus Yaakov, He just remarkably, just in one line, he basically dismisses that and says, Yeah, he should be careful, he should follow the best practices and only hit him with the shoestrap and not Marcus Axarius. But for the he's not penalized for crossing the line. That seems like a remarkable assumption. It doesn't seem at all obvious to me. If he did cross a line and he did hit him, Marcus Axarius, it seems entirely logical to me that he should be chayev. So I don't know why the Shosyaakov thinks it's Pashut, that B'deeved, it doesn't matter if he crossed the line or not. But okay, that's what he holds. The Shosyaakov of the G'dolei Apostol three centuries ago. The Shosyaakov thinks Misvara, that just like your potter from you your potter from civil damages, just like your potter, if you hit him in the proper way, you're also potter, B'deeved at least, even if you exceeded the, the appropriate types of chastisement. He brings the Ranach. The Ranach does say, that regarding a shliach based in that if a shliach based in a shliach based is also one it's another one of the three examples in the mission of someone who's potter from Galus. So if a shliach based in is enforcing the the will of the court and injures somebody in the context of doing so, so the Shmos says that he is the Shmos says that he's uh, that, that the the mission says that he's potter. So the and that there the Ranach Rabbi Yehud ben Chayyim one of the early Gedali Asardim from Five centuries ago, four or four, 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 five centuries ago, the said that if he hits him out of kas v'chema, then he's chayiv. If he hits him, the Mishnah only says you potter when you hit him appropriately. But if you uh, if, if you're at, if you're if you're out of control, if you hit him uh, out of rage and passion and not out of uh, l'shem shemayim to enforce the will of basin, then you're chayiv. So the Shvus Yaakov argues that that also is not relevant to us. He says that. Maybe that's true for a Shliach b'astin, but for a Talmud Chacham, for a Rebbe who's a Talmud Chacham, the Torah the Torah arouses him, the Torah makes him passionate. Particularly, he says, it's tsar Gadol. It's very difficult for the Rebbe to bear when he tries to, to learn with his student and the student isn't paying attention. That's understandable that he should just lose his temper. Again, a remarkable tshuva, but he says, that's just, uh, we, we can't fault him for this, certainly not eved. So he says, we, we have to just patter him because... We were entirely sympathetic with the frustration of the Rebbe. The Torah, the, the Torah makes him passionate, and it's just uh, intolerably frustrating to have a child who doesn't listen, and therefore he's not going to be chayav b'diavet. However, the Shvasyakov concedes at the end of the tshuva, he says, "Meikir adin." In terms of the normal normal halacha, he would be potter, but lemaisa he thinks he does need to be taught a lesson because we don't want this happening again. Uh, Chacham should be able to control himself, as understandable as as his anger might be he should still have enough self-control not to do this, not to lose himself and injure the child. So, therefore, as a kind of takana, as an extra-judicial ruling, extra-legal ruling, he says, we should penalize in order to encourage Talmud uh, in the future to stick to a to the Masana, to stick to the, the more mild type of chastisement. He passed him that he should pay at least medical costs, not the full Hamish Advarim, not the full Dalad Varem, at least medical costs he should pay as a kind of penalty, as a disincentive, as a reminder to people to try to keep a lid on their anger in the future. So that's the position of the Shavos Yaakov, the Meikra, Din. He'd be putter from civil damages. It's understandable. But Lamaisa, it's not so appropriate that we want to try to encourage adhering to a higher standard. So as a, as a Takana, as an extra-legal Takana, Lamigdar Milsa, we, we hold him liable for not all the costs, but for, at least for the cost of refu. The Shvos Talmud, the Kiryas Chana, he takes a diametrically opposite approach. He is very upset with this Malamit. He thinks he behaved, uh, he, he describes his conduct in, in, in strong terms. Darach ayev kashto, shar hamazik, and uh, the fellow still wanted to, to, to plead that he should be exempt because of the, this rule of Rav HaRamaket Kalmido is pater, brings the Mishnah, uh, says the Kiryas Chana, that uh, as valiant an attempt as he makes to justify his conduct, it doesn't work, and we are absolutely going to compel him to uh, settle with uh, with the victim to pay him the to, to pay him for the damage that he caused. He says that he says that the first of all he argues that a teacher has that the he he, bring, he brings the. He, he, he brings the idea that he is potter from Gullus, but he says it's not clear that the same thing would apply to civil damages. He goes even further. He argues that a, that a rebbe ha- actually has a custodial duty uh, over uh, w- vis-a-vis his students. The, the Gemara says that one of the justifications for paying a rebbe in the first place, paying a rebbe of small children, as we discussed previously, you're not, really allowed, you're not, you're not allowed to pay someone to teach you Torah, tari- that teaching Torah is a mitzvah, you're not allowed to pay for doing a mitzvah. So one of that terim is, the Gemara says, is char shimer, That uh, you're paying him for babysitting, for child care. So you see that he has a duty of care to protect the child. He discusses whether that's protect him from damaging others, protect him from being injured. But he argues that it's protect him from being injured. So even if you're going to argue that a, an, an ordinary person wouldn't be chayev in such a case, but the Rebbe has an additional duty of care, which makes him chayev. Furthermore, he argues that a father, he argues has more leeway, more latitude to hit his child than a Rebbe does. It's true, the Mishnah says, Ha'av HaMakes Beno and Rav HaRodah talmido." both of them are potter. However, he says, read the Mishnah carefully. Ha'av HaMakes Beno, when it comes to a father, we use the verb Makeh. When it comes to a teacher, we say Rodah. Why do we change one to the other? So he says, a father, is a la- a father who loves his child, Nemanim oh Ohev, He's allowed to strike him even heavily because we trust that it's all being done out of love and being properly calibrated as someone who loves the child would do, as we discussed earlier. But a Rebbe, a Rebbe doesn't have that much latitude, that he is, he's limited. He has to hit him only with the Rutua, and he, he can't hit him that hard. And therefore he argues that the Mishnah that says he's Pater is only Pater if he's Rodin, not if he's actually Maka. So unlike the Shavaz Yaakov who says that even though he should limit himself to a Rutzua, if he exceeds that bound, he's still Pater... Kiryas Chana says, no, he thinks that he's limited to the ritua. that the exemption from civil liability is only if he stuck to his Ritzua. If he, uh, if he, if he actually used, if he actually went beyond the Ritzua, this, this fellow apparently did. He actually broke the child's leg. So this one apparently is, uh, so this one apparently is, uh, he's going to be high. He goes on at some length and he says that it's true, these are svaris. these are arguments, it's hard to be motzi mammon. it's hard to, to issue a definitive ruling that someone's chayev, if, the, if we don't have a, uh, a clear and compelling argument. So he has a long tshuva going on for some pages, and he's inclined to say that the Rebbe should actually be chayev, based on a lengthy pilpul. He says, this is what I think, but he, out of humility he says, this is halacha v'lala maysa. I'm not uh, authoritatively ruling this way, I'm not the one who, whose job it is to ask him this, this question, he says. Thank God we have uh, we have Dayan, says that they can paskin they they're experts in Shas and poskim they should be the ones to paskin. This was written in seventeen twenty three. So unlike his Rebbe the Shluss Yaakov who felt it was pasch that he's poter he's inclined to say Chaya but he doesn't want to rule this way authoritatively. As we get to the the nineteenth century the twentieth century, so some poskim still insisted that. Hazal's wisdom is timeless and still took for granted that parents should hit their children. But we also find some posthum who were beginning to have second thoughts about it. The Vilna Gon. We have very little that the Gon actually wrote. Most of what we have of the Torah Sagra is students. Students wrote things they heard, ideas they heard, Torah they heard from him. One of the very few things that the Gon actually wrote himself was the famous letter he wrote to his wife, giving her advice and guidance that how to live her life and how to raise the family. So he tells her that he uses the muscle that chinuch is like, chinuch is like planting. But he says, if you plant on a rock, sometimes he says it's not going to grow. The, the rock is hard, the seeds won't enter the rock. So what do you do? You have to hit the rock, he says, until the rock splits and cracks and the seeds can enter into the rock and flourish. Therefore, he says, I have told you, he says, you need to hit our children if they don't listen to you. So the Vilna Ghosn told his wife, if our children, I don't know how well behaved his children were or were not, if he was just anticipating future trouble, but he said, if our children do not listen to you, you need, I, I instruct you to hit them. We also find, however, in the 19th century, we find uh, a, a modern view, a somewhat more uh, modern view in the Peleoites. The Pelioites' comments, he's warning you against any kind of excessive discipline of your children. And he's based on a Gemara. And contemporary postcom as well, who are skeptical about hitting, who are, who are reluctant to condone hitting, also base themselves on this Gemara. The Gemara says in Moed Katan that if someone strikes Bino Gadol, if someone hits his adult son, his older son, so the Gemara brings a story that Amsar de Rabbi once saw someone do that. A servant of Rebi saw a man hit his, old, hit his adult son and she excommunicated him. She placed him under the shamta. Why? Because he's violating l'fnayivro Mikshal. Do not place a stumbling block in the path of the blind. That Chazal interpret that to mean that if you give somebody the opportunity to do an avera, then you get an avera because you're causing him to do an avera. So apparently, causing the this is an example. Hitting your older son, it is very likely that he will strike back. He'll lash out at you. He therefore will violate kibud avem or even that they of hitting a, hitting a parent, and therefore you are over Lifnei. So you can hit young children, but if you hit an older child, we show all the other Gemaras in Psukim, hitting young children, but hitting old children is is Asr, is because you thereby violate Lifnei. How old is an old child? So there is a Ritva who says either 13, or Lav 13, and it all depends on on how likely he is to lash out and retaliate instead of accept the chastisement. But the Shulchan Aruch and the Poskin, the Ramah does not him like that. The Ramah paskins, how old are we talking about when he's 22 or 24? Which one, 22 or 24? The Shach says it's a machlokas. Some say 22, some say 24. So apparently there are actual numbers given. The Ramah brings actual, actual, uh, actual ages and pretty old ages as well. And the Shach seems to agree. And uh, the, even though the contemporary post can bring this ritva, but in terms of the Amud Hahara, the Ramad, the Shach, rama, the, the Gidolei Poskim say that certainly you can hit children who are teenagers up to 22, at least up to 22. You're allowed to hit, just not once he's past 22. Nevertheless, the Pelayoites is not convinced. The Pelayoites warns you against trying to be too tough a disciplinarian. In the modern era, the modern nineteenth century era, he says that lavdafke bno gadol. He says, "What's the reason the Chazal warned you not to hit a bno Because he may lash out and he'll violate lefneiver." He says. So he says, "So not gadol gadol mamish like the ridv." He says, "But anyone, anyone who you know, the child is is too uh, recalcitrant and too uh, rebellious and will not will not meekly accept his punishment." For example, in our generations, he says, Chutzpah yashka, there's a great deal of chutzpah, ben bo'it ba'aviv, children don't respect their parents the way they used to. So not only, he says, shouldn't you hit him, you shouldn't even yell at him, he says. You shouldn't even yell at him out of anger, he says. The child will just get angry and he won't accept the reproof. And uh, it's true in that the, the passage tells you that you should yell at children, besides all the chastising with rods. It also says... Only, he says, only a child who understands, but if you know the child is not receptive, then you have to, you have to know your children, he says, if you know that they, they're difficult, or they have no that and they won't listen to you, he says, you shouldn't hit them, you shouldn't yell at them, you shouldn't even make demands upon them, you shouldn't even tell them what to do, you shouldn't ask them for help, he says, because you should just try to uh, tiptoe around them, and not, and not get them upset. Don't get angry at them. Don't uh, don't hurt them. He says, don't speak to them gently. He says, even though sometimes you have to. He says, if you have to, you have to. He says, sometimes you need to make demands, but in general, he says, you should be aware that it's common in our generation. Yaski, children don't respect their parents. That they they, they will retaliate. They, they, they it'll be it'll be useless at best, counterproductive at worst. At worst, therefore, he says that based on this general principle of bno gadol. The you should not hit children today, even even you should not even yell at them, you should not even be demanding and uh be authoritarian with them because all that can lead to uh all that can lead to uh to problems. Similarly, Rabbi Chiliak of Weinberg <coughs> in the Sri Deish, a century later, he also says that what Chazal said that you shouldn't hit an older child is not really limited to hitting. The same thing applies to imposing your will by any kind of force, by, 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 by imposing your authority on him against his will, that what uh, Chazal said, he says, and it's lavdafka, physically hitting. Any type of uh, imposition of authority is the same problem, that the child will resent it and, uh, and rebel and become more stubborn. He says modern pedagogues have, have demonstrated this, have confirmed this, that that's how child psychology works. Again, Rebbe Dessalot Tshuva says, older child. The question was about someone who was 15, 16 years old. And he says that uh, the, the modern pedagogues as well, he says, that they've shown that this applies to a nar begil mevugar, a, a, a young man who is uh, older, somewhat teenager, is going to be stubborn. That's teenager. So again, Rabbi Hiliak of Weinberg is not saying that you shouldn't hit young children. He's saying, but it's, what he's emphasizing what Hazal said, that once a child reaches a, a certain age... At, at some point, then the authoritarianism and discipline and compulsion is not going to be effective, and on the contrary, it will be counterproductive. With regard to actual corporal punishment, though, relatively recently, within the last half century, we had Rivolio Dessler in Mihtem Someone asked him about hitting children. This was written in Tufshintes in 1949. He says, someone told him that, the, someone mentioned that the Chokrim achadishim, modern scholars, modern uh, psychologists, have uh, very different uh, positions on this, new ideas, uh, different from Chazal. They say that children imitate their parents, and if you hit children, children will learn that violence is the, is the way to get your way. Violence is the way to, uh, to uh, get satisfaction for your desires, and therefore hitting children is bad. Rav says that the modern thinkers are wrong, they're making two profound errors in their approach to discipline. First, he says, they think a person is created without any Midas. He's, an, he's a blank slate. He learns Midas only from his from his surroundings. This is, what the, this is what's called the, the Tabula Rasa doctrine, that, that a person is born as a blank slate. I, I, I looked up the Wikipedia page for Tabula Rasa to see how you spell it in Hebrew. And uh, that's how you spell it, tabula rasa, tes Aleph Bey's vav lam and hei, reish This samach uh This is a popular theory in some, in, in some, in some intellectual circles, that a, that a child is born neutral, and everything he gets is from his parents, so if his parents display violence toward him, he'll uh, behave that way toward, toward others. Cesar of Dessler, no, that's not the way it works. We believe la pesa chates a person is born with a healthy evil inclination. He doesn't need to learn violence from anybody else. He says he even even uh, even an embryo has instincts to do uh, to do bad. He says certainly he says environment can, can intensify them. Can 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 uh, environment can, uh, can 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 increase them. But he says but he doesn't need to learn he doesn't need to learn violence from his parents. This this is always also the there is an idea within Judaism as well that a, that children are holy tinoko that this is the shlomar kabbach idea that children are holy and pure and to be fair Chazal have the same idea in many places Chazal talk about how the world is the Hevel pm of the tinoko based rabban with the, the the merit of the Torah and the tfilah of children who are lotam u'tamcheit they're innocent and they're pure but like Rav as Rav says Chazal also had the attitude that children are are full of sin as well. They say that the Yetzirah is called Melach Zakin Uxil. The is older because the Etahara comes from birth and the Yetzir Tov doesn't come until a person is Bar Mitzvah. The way the philosophers explain that, the, the Jewish philosophers, they say that the Etahara just means desire, selfishness. What is a baby? A baby is hungry, he wants, he cries. A baby doesn't have higher moral attributes, he's innocent in a certain sense, but he also doesn't have discipline and the ability to uh, s- sacrifice his needs and desires in the service of for others, for a kodesh baruch Hu, a baby has yeter an, an adult, a bar mitzvah boy, has yeter tov. That's where Rav Deso says we believe la Pesa as rovets. Children shanein mal have uh, have the yeter they, they 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 understand the idea of violence. They don't need the parents to learn violence. Furthermore, he says the modern idea prizes personal autonomy. The, in in the modern in the modern value system, the, the ultimate goal is independence and autonomy. That's, uh, that's, that's a grave grave error, he says. We don't believe that what we need to focus on is independence. We believe it's hachna, it's submission, just the opposite. We believe that kisa a person needs a yoke, a person needs discipline. We don't, we don't have to focus on independence, he says. We need to focus on uh, on, uh, on submission and humility, he says. Even if we do develop uh, anava and hachna, he'll still find, he'll still learn about gava and ritzicha, he says. But, uh, but we definitely don't need to teach him that autonomy, that I am all that matters, that I am the most important thing. That's certainly not what we need, he says. Therefore, he brings the Yara Sagra. He brings, he brings, similar to what we said from the Gemara, that a child should be hit for no reason also, he says his cousin. His cousin saw in one of the Svaramakdoshim that even if the child listens to his parents, it's good to find some excuse, some, uh, some pretext to hit him anyway. I don't know why he needs a Svaram for that, it seems pretty similar to what the Gemara says, that a child should be hit, now, at least now and then, just on general principles. He calls it the Svaram and therefore he says that, that in general he has no use for the Svaram HaKtoshim, he has no use for the Chokrim Ak-doshim, for the newfangled pedagogical ideas. He thinks that corporal punishment is as valuable and useful as it always was, and that children still need to be hit. Various modern writers try to contrast the Rev. Dessler's view, Rev. Dessler's reactionary view, dismissal of the modern chokrim with that of Rev. Weinberg. Rev. Weinberg cites the pedagogium hamadernium approvingly. It's not really a machlokis, though, because Rev. Because Weinberg makes it very clear that he's talking about Pernod He begins by quoting Chazal, that say that Pernod you shouldn't hit because that's a violation of Lufna Iver. And then he says that the modern pedagogues agree that uh, that compulsion and author- authoritarianism toward a nare toward an older child is counterproductive. Chazal said so themselves, and the Peleayot also said that once a child is old enough, whatever that old enough age is, then we then we, then we, then, we in, then we invoke that concern of Iber. The Rav seems to be saying that even young children we reject uh, we, we reject the idea that Rav is just saying that young children we, we still we still believe in corporal punishment. Rav Weinberg doesn't express any opinion about when a child is young, whether we should still use corporal punishment or not. I don't. So in tone, maybe the tshuvahs are a little different, the, the two letters are different. I don't see an actual machlokas here. We'll just close with uh, a, a quote from Rabbi Mordechai Willig. Rabbi Willig notes that Rav Shlomo Volba, considered one of the greatest experts on Musr and on Chinuch in contemporary times, Rav Volba apparently was opposed to corporal punishment. What about all the circum and Mishle? What about the, the Gemaras and so on? So, Rav asked to explain why, how he squares that with his opinion. But nevertheless, he was concerned, he believed that corporal punishment was generally not a good idea. So, Rav Willig also explains that all uh, that, uh, he begins with the idea that you shouldn't hit Beno Gadol. He says that, Ramas says that it means 22 or 24 years old. Rav Willig notes that that certainly strikes us as counterintuitive. He brings the ritva, the ritva says bar mitzvah, and even, and even less than bar mitzvah, maybe, if the child is too rebellious, as we saw in the Peleoyotes as well. Then Rabbi Willick quotes Rav Olba saying that today even a three-year-old can be a Michel, because today used to be children were more, were more tolerant and had more of a positive self-image, they weren't damaged by spanking. Today the children are damaged for life by spanking, they, they imbibe rebellion, rebellion fills there. That's similar to what we already saw in the Peleoites, that Chutzpah and and uh, children are more fragile, more rebellious. And therefore, following this Peleoites, following Revolba, Rabbi Willick says that, uh, again, you can't give an exact sheer, an exact number of how old, what the cutoff is, when you can't hit him. But it's, uh, it's clearly, it all depends on the question of when there's a reasonable chance, he says, he'll rebel with words or deeds, certainly if he'll hit his father, even if he'll just, Behave him properly, rebe- rebe- he'll mutiny uh, verbally, he'll curse or strike his parent, even curse. So he says, then hitting is no longer appropriate. You have to persuade him with words, maybe even sharp words are not appropriate, like in the Peleoites, You have to use uh, gentler language, perhaps. And, and Rabbi Willig concludes 13 is the average age, or in the Tama Chazal at least. If today the age is three, then Rabbi Willig endorses Revolba's position that after three, you should no longer hit the child. Because again, it'll be counterproductive. It'll damage the child, and it'll lead to rebellion, and it'll cause the child to, to, to violate uh, averas klape his father, klape his parents, which which will in turn mean that the parent has violated the prohibition of Lifne Iver losite mechshol. <laughs>